A stu stu Studio D production. Keep going. Reverse. Back reverse. We're done. It shouldn't have been that hard for me to reverse because I was in the same place. I'm that sure that great. that really um, that translated really well on an audio <laughs> podcast. <laughs> the volume probably also went up by like twice as much. Sit yeah. down, I want to tell you a story. A really weird and messed up story. With murdering ghosts and gobbly ghouls. It's all really fucked up, so don't you be fooled. <laughs> it's effed up. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Effed Up Family Storytime. I'm Salem. And I'm Hannah. And here today we have Belle. Hey. And Kelly. Hey. Sleep <laughs> <in> higher pitch. <laughs> and now at the same time, at the same time. Hey. hey. Wait, keep doing it. We'll add it. We'll add on to it. Hey. hey. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty horrible. And, yeah. <laughs> terrifying. Cacophonous. <laughs> Like bombs should start falling from the sky. <laughs> Didn't we on one? We've like, already done yeah, the, 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 the sirens. You know what that makes me think of? Um, who remembers Cannibal the Musical? I do. Everyone. Yo ho, yo ho, yo ho. <laughs> yo ho. Playing the top of his Oh man. It's oh, a spadoinkle day, friends. Spadoinkle day. Mm. Oh my goodness. So, how's everyone doing? We're good. It seems pretty like pretty good. We're pretty good. Got some tired kids here. No right? tired kids. Never. <laughs> my meds sometimes make me really sleepy. Sleepy. Sometimes they make me really <laughs> sleepy, and sometimes they make it so that I can't sleep at all. And I don't know. I never know. It's but an I'd rather that than seizures. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. So. Didn't you have something to talk about, Salem? So I just found this funny article. It's the 10 most bizarre survey finds. And did you know one in 10 people think HTML is a sexually transmitted disease? <laughs> that what? can't be real. <laughs> I don't think. I mean, one in 10? That's only 11. 10. That one lot. person is a 90-year-old. That's a lot of people, though. 11% of people. You think about for every 10 people that you meet, one of one. those people thinks that HTML is a sexually transmitted disease. I believe disease. it. I that interact with old these people. people, right? Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't know. I thought that one was pretty funny. But then um, they go on to talk about how up to 27% of Americans believe that God really does affect the outcome of sporting games. I believe that. Sporting I events. believe it. It's the only thing God does affect the outcome of. <laughs> And God was in a event. real salty mood for that Broncos game uh, the other night. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the Broncos did to piss him off, but they're in timeout right now. Now this one, I don't know if I believe this, but it says here that one in four Americans think the sun goes around the earth. That makes me sad. I believe that because of how many people, how many are, people flat are flat earthers, earthers these yeah. days. It's sad. We have one of the biggest flat earther populations in the country here in Colorado. Obviously. Oh, in Colorado. I thought you really? Were, hold on. I 
I inserted my own meaning behind words that you were saying. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> I translated that to be in our country, like we have the most in the world here in the USA, not oh. most in our country. Oh, here yeah. In no, I'm sure Obviously most of the world true. and most of those live here. <laughs> that part is the surprising part. I didn't know that. I have one more interesting fact. Survey found that most Americans don't trust survey results. <laughs> so, so is that all fake or it's just as real, but we don't trust it? According to a new poll from the Data Investment Management Organization, Cantar, 75% of Americans believe that most polls you hear are about hear about are biased toward a particular point of view, while only 19% think they, that they are unbiased. So it was they're just talking about a survey done That's about surveys. So okay. all right, I think maybe it's time to move into our story. Yeah, let's and do that. This week, Kelly is telling us a story. What are you telling us? I'm going to tell the story of the Burke and Hare anatomy murders. Ooh, Ooh that's that never heard gross. of those. Yeah, you never heard of those? No. I'd never heard of I've them never heard either. Of them. And I wish I had heard of them exactly six months. Well, not exactly. How many months ago? A few months ago before I went to Scotland because these murders took place in Scotland. And oh. I was in Scotland and I had never heard of them. I wish I had. I would have been would like, have been- Matt, we have to go to the Tanner's Close so we can see where the murders took place. And, <laughs> and Matt would have been like, really? Really? We have to do that? And I would have said, yes. And he would have been like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. A little peek into our relationship there. <laughs> Just like that. Okay. So this is the story of William Burke and William Hare, because we don't have original names. William and William. William and William. And they were Irish immigrants who murdered 16 people and sold their bodies. Ew. Oh, maybe I have heard of them. Ah, in Edinburgh in 1828. Ah. Uh, but before we talk about these two main characters, we have to set the stage and introduce another guy who was Dr. Robert Knox. So imagine that this is the prequel to our story. Okay. So um, Knox was an anatomist who became a doctor in 1814. He became a fellow at the Royal College of Surgeons in Edinburgh in 1825. An interesting tidbit for all of you that you won't care about is that when we went to Edinburgh, we stayed in a hotel that was in Surgeons Square. And it was right across the street from the Royal College of Surgeons of Edinburgh and the Surgeon Museum. That's cool. And I knew nothing about Burke and Hare and these murders. So I was just like, oh, it's a Surgeon's Museum. And I walked <laughs> right on past. Oh, and I will cool. regret that. And you will know why later. I will regret that. But interestingly, <laughs> it was right there in Surgeon. So I did kind of get to go up against where, where some bad things happened. I just didn't know at the time that I was there. Yeah. Which, I mean, in reality, bad things happen everywhere. So Pretty much, yeah. Everywhere you go, you could be it's, up against a history that you just don't know about. It's mostly about the knowing about it. That's really... It the makes Im- it fun. Yeah. Or not fun, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so anyway, Dr. Knox uh, was at this college. He lectured on anatomy, and so he performed two dissections a day in front of about 400 students. And it was kind of his thing. Like, he promised that his dissections would be fresh and on fresh subjects. And this actually played a big role in the progression of the study of anatomy. And so due to him and a lot of his colleagues, Edinburgh actually became the center of anatomic 
anatomical study or one of the centers of anatomical study at the time. And the study of anatomy really developed into a modern medical science during this time. And that really contributed to a lot of surgical advancements. So all of this was happening. But in order to have this study, have this development, teach surgeons about anatomy, you need to have a lot of cadavers Mm -hmm. so you can perform those dissections in front of people. And in the 1820s, Scottish law said that the only way that they could get these cadavers and these corpses on which to dissect were if a person died in prison, was a suicide victim, or if it was the body of, like, an orphan. So in order for them to match this, like, rise in prestige and popularity of medical training, they needed a lot of corpses, and the legal supply was not keeping pace with what they needed. So that was when they started to see students and lecturers and grave robbers create this kind of illicit trade in exhumed cadavers. And so they were kind of known as the resurrection men, and you started to see a lot of grave robbing. Interestingly, at the time, even though disturbing a grave was a criminal offense and taking property from the deceased was a criminal offense, stealing the body was actually not a criminal offense because it didn't legally belong to anyone. So it was able to create an environment in which they actually had a pretty lucrative opportunity for people to sell bodies. Uh, If the body doesn't legally belong to anyone, then like the personal items, who the fuck do they belong to? Because the person is dead. So why is that a crime? But I don't know. Why is grave robbing a crime? Grave robbing is, yeah. yeah. I would agree. There is some flaws in that logic, but it's there. (laughs) 1820 Scotland. That's what was happening. Interesting. So lucrative opportunity here because people could get eight pounds for a body during the summer. Because it was warmer and bodies decomposed a little bit more quickly, but 10 pounds per body in the winter months because the lower temperatures meant that they could store them longer and they could do more dissections. So it was at a higher demand for those cold bodies. Interesting. So today's, that would be 8 to 10 pounds would be 670 to 832 pounds per body, which in American dollars is 7 142 to $922. So we can get 750 to just under a thousand bucks per body. Yeah. If they go and dig up these corpses. However, people obviously didn't really like this. And so a lot of the residents of Edinburgh were actually protesting all the increased grave robbing. And they started to use a variety of techniques to deter thieves from the graves. So they built watchtowers, they hired guards. They would sometimes place a large stone slab over the grave just until the body could decay enough, and then they would remove it. Um, And then they had something called a mort safe, which was like an iron cage that would actually surround the coffin. And so because the public was like, we're not going to stand for this, they had all these techniques. They really had a growing crisis among anatomists because they really had a significant shortage of corpses in order to do their medical work. So that sets the stage. The prequel is over. Now we have our opening credits. Mm. And we'll talk a little bit more about our leading gentlemen. All right. So William Burke and William Hare were both born at the end of the 18th century in Ireland, in different parts of Ireland. They were laborers who ended up coming to Scotland for work. 
Burke was in the military in Ireland. He actually was married. And then he got into his argument, an argument with his father-in-law. So he just like abandoned his family and went to Scotland. So he's really high, high quality mm-hmm. gentleman there. Yeah. And he worked on the Union Canal in Edinburgh and outside Edinburgh, um, which was completed in 1822. Less is known about Hare's early life, but he also worked on the Union Canal after he came to Scotland. So also born in Ireland, also immigrated to Scotland, also was a laborer going around doing work. Uh, The two did not meet each other when they worked on the canal, but they were both ending up in that same area. Hare ended up in Edinburgh working as a coal man's assistant. And while he was there, he lodged at Tanner's Close in the home of a man and his wife. So basically, I actually don't know if you pronounce it close with a Z or close with an S. I don't know if anyone knows it. But basically, if you don't know, a close is like an alleyway or a passageway that's like between all these old stone buildings and like off of the old stone main roads. Um, And so they're named. It's kind of like how we might name a street or name a cul-de-sac, except that it's like this little alley. So it's like Tanner's Close was like the name of where he lived, basically. Okay. And it became kind of a famous name because of what ends up transpiring in this location. So Tanner's Close was a lodging that Hare was staying in. But then the homeowner died in 1826, and Hare basically just took up with his wife, Margaret Laird, and they were then essentially married. It's unclear whether they were officially married, but they were definitely seen as married under Scottish law. So then he was the one that was renting out lodging to people in this house. Okay. Don't really know how that transpired, but they just, <laughs> he just kind of inserted himself into that situation. He just weaseled his way right in. He did. So then meanwhile, Burke, who had immigrated over to Scotland and worked on the Union Canal and all, also found himself a lady, his second lady, in Helen McDougall, who was a Scottish woman who became his second wife. And then the two met each other when they were working a harvest near Edinburgh, and they became BFFs for real. And Burke and his wife, McDougal, moved into Tanner's Close, where those two couples were just, like, living their best life. They were (laughs) drinking, being boisterous, besties forever. Super great, great, great moment in time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the Fab Four, as I will call them periodically. No. (laughs) The Fab Four's lives changed in november of 1827 and i've already made a couple references to film and as i tell this story i really would like you to picture this as like a dark comedy film like in the style of like judd apatow or something okay um a little bumbling maybe a little slapstick because (laughs) that's how i imagine this all right okay so hair he had a lodger staying in his own home who owed him four pounds of back rent And this guy was supposed to be getting a pension payment soon, but then he suddenly died of dropsy. Oh, what's dropsy? Dropsy? I guess it's like extreme fluid retention. Hmm. Edema or something is what it's called. Yeah. So anyway, he died. So then Hare and Burke um, are hanging out and Hare is complaining to Burke about how he had lost this income and what is he going to do? This guy dropped dead. So they hatched a plan. So they knew the, the, the state of the, the medical community in Edinburgh at the time, and they knew that anatomists and surgeons were willing to pay a lot of money for corpses. So they figured they could get back the lost rent plus a little extra. 
The local parish had paid for a coffin for this man's bury burial. It's not that funny. Just mispronounce the word. I just think it was how many times you did. (laughs) Touche. So before they could come and pick up the body, so like they dropped off the coffin and the guy was in the body, but before they could come pick up the body for burial, Burke (laughs) and Hare opened the coffin, removed the body, hid it under a bed, and refilled the coffin with a bunch of bark and then resealed it. And then they came and picked up the coffin and buried it. Hmm. So then they had a body, which I imagine totally weakened at Bernie's style. They carted on down to Surgeon Square. <laughs> and they found a buyer in Robert Knox and his assistants who paid them seven pounds, ten shillings. And that is about $750. Dang. Today. Damn. It's insane. So could you imagine it like a dark comedy? Yeah. Like, what am I going to do? The lodger died. <laughs> Oh, I have an oh, idea. Weekend of Bernie's down to. Yeah. I hope if someone sells my body that I'm worth more than that. It's I just feel like a body now would be more than like seven hundred. Wild to me, just wild to me how, like, like the medicine yeah. that we have today, yeah, that saved George's life, that saved Dad's life, that helped me recover from my seizure and is helping Hannah with their shit. Well, and more or specifically... on the flip side, it was all the Nazi doctors that America oh, yeah. pardoned. That was really... <laughs> more specifically in this case, like, learning surgical techniques. So, like, for surgery, you know, yeah, yeah, a lot of that came... So, like, yes, this is how it started and it seems so, like, primitive and it seems so barbaric. How but else like, would they have done it? And now we have information yeah. and we yeah. have... We, that we have then since built on even more that has led to like different surgical techniques and an understanding of anatomy. And they do still use uh, um, cadavers. It's just that now we it's just people consent volu- to donate yeah. them. Yeah, consent, right. <laughs> yeah, and they don't have to use as much possibly as they did like in a time where they were like, we don't understand what's happening in the body. We need to dissect it over and over yeah, and over and, and over and over Figure it again. out, yep. Yeah. Anyway, so the first actual murder took place in the beginning of 1828. Uh, They think it was most likely a lodger who had become ill. And so Hare was like, we can't have an infectious person spreading sickness all around. So they gave the man some whiskey. uh, Hare smothered him with a pillow and Burke laid across his torso to restrict movement and limit noise. And they killed him. They took the body down to Dr. Knox. They received 10 pounds for this body. It was in like January, so winter, you know, cold. Uh And so obviously that reinforced them. And now they were like, hey, we have a new lucrative business on our hands. Yeah. So now we come to the point in our film that I would like you to imagine as the montage. Okay. The The montage of murders. (laughs) So (laughs) they murdered. Probably make a different song. (laughs) No. (laughs) They murdered a a pensioner slash salt seller. Uh, They invited her over, gave her insane amounts of alcohol until she couldn't leave, and then they smothered her. They murdered a match seller from England who was staying and lodging with them. He got sick with jaundice, which, you know, like bad for business. So then they murdered him. Then they had another older lady who they again invited over and gave a bunch of booze to before killing her. And all these bodies got 10 pounds each and no questions asked by Knox, Dr. Knox. Yeah. I, people were dying all over the place in the yeah. 1800s. Like, why you got to kill people? People were just dying. People would just like drop dead for no reason. 
Apparently Just be like dropsies. That's my body. <laughs> I think that was happening too, actually, because I think that that was how other surgeons were getting some of their bodies. Without a, without a doubt, I would guess that. Without a doubt, I would guess <laughs> that's probably also happening. Um, so then uh, Burke was hanging out with a couple of ladies one night. One of them passed off. Passed off? Passed out. The other was run off by Burke's wife, who claimed he was having an affair. But then the passed out one was still there. So Burke and Hare murdered her. Oh, okay. This one actually brought a question from one of Knox's assistants. But he was appeased by Burke's story that she had drunk herself to death and they just bought the body. So there you go. They were just telling people, like, they just died and I just happened to be an opportunist and brought you the body. Oh, brought. I thought you said bought they the did body. Buy. They said they bought the body and then brought the body. Bought and brought. Bought and brought. Why would you buy a body to sell a body? I mean, that's what everyone You make a profit. Does, you buy right? it low, you sell it high. Yeah, you buy buy your your materials from China, sell them here in the states for more money. But I thought the point was to just like go steal the bodies. <laughs> but if you can't steal like the bodies, the most profit margin. You can buy them from. But from... like, so imagine you own a place and someone just drops dead, and you're like, "I want this body out of here. I'll pay you some money to just take it out." Okay. Or oh wait, no, they no paid that's opposite. Money. They that's paid. Opposite. So they would say, I'll, "I'll take this off your hands. Here, don't go through the." channels i'll take it and then i'll sell it for more okay <laughs> that was the story they gave I and th- i would not believe that sir <laughs> i think that is what was happening sometimes though they were just because remember the scottish law said that you had to be a prisoner a something else or an orphan what was it a prisoner a suicide victim or an orphan so if this was like a person that people knew then it was already against the law to be taking that body anyway so i'll pay you to keep quiet i'll pay you to let me have this body i'll take it off your hands and then then i'll I'll go sell it for more money but you can see how you'd make even more money if you didn't have to buy the body first and you got to just steal it to hannah's point all of the profit anyway that's the story i don't know (laughs) hannah i don't really think that they were that logical so there were flaws in their in their decision. <laughs> I mean, they anyway. killed her anyway. I mean, they didn't buy the body. They yeah, said that they was just the, the story. Yeah, that was just the story. So they had killed her, but the guy, the assistant, was like, "Oh, okay, that makes sense." So they were able to tell the story that they had bought the body and it was fine. Knox was just thrilled that this lady was still warm when he got the body; that she was so fresh. So again, that just you know reinforced and continued. So our montage continues. There was a lady lodger who got drunk and passed out, and then she was killed. And then later, her daughter also decided to lodge at Tanner's Close, which I don't know why she would do that. And she also got drunk, and she also passed out, and then she was killed. Then there was another old lady lodger who also got drunk and passed out. Wow. And then there was a scavenger who was actually tempted into the stables by Burke and Hare with some whiskey. And then they, they... then she got too drunk and then they killed her. And then there was one person who was already too drunk to stand when Burke found him. And he said, oh, I'll take care of you. And then took him and killed him. Jeez. So at this point in time, they had their process down. They obviously used alcohol on the victims. They got them so drunk that they would pass out. Did they drug the alcohol too? Like, um, It didn't say that they um, drugged the alcohol, but maybe. I don't know. But I think they mostly just used whiskey. A lot, a lot of whiskey. Because I've definitely seen a lot of people get very, very drunk. But... Usually they make it. They don't pass out. They 
Um, this was a whole other level of <laughs> drunkenness. And they were definitely like plying them with alcohol, yeah, like, giving them so, true. so much, trying to get them drunk. They also were very intoxicated themselves during all of these murders. Their process was suffocating the victims, usually with a hand over the mouth and nose, and then press the, with the weight on the chest. That was kind of their process. They were using a tea chest to transport these two knocks, and they were consistently getting eight to 10 pounds per body. Sounds like a good business to me, right? Yeah. So things are going swimmingly. And now the happy montage music can fade away. We'll focus on a few of the final victims quickly. <laughs> Thanks for fading that You're away. Welcome. <laughs> uh, so one memorable story was an old woman and her grandson. They murdered the grandmother the typical way while the boy was out of the room. And then they brought the boy into that same room and murdered him. Burke later said that this was one of the roughest for him because he could remember the boy's expression, which makes a lot of sense because I know it's awful because everyone else was pretty much already passed out from alcohol. And clearly this boy like knew what was going to happen to him if his grandmother had been taken away and killed. And then he he was brought in there and yeah, probably saw blood and stuff. And so, so that one was pretty, pretty awful. Um, There was a washerwoman who was doing the laundry at the house that they killed a relative of Burke's wife who had come to visit that they killed. So even Not family. Not your in-laws. Oh. Yeah. Um, and they killed a man who was a well-known beggar in the streets. This one was recognized by some of Knox's students, but Knox denied that it was him and then quickly dissected him up uh, to kind of remove that, that evidence hanging out there. Oh. So throughout this entire process, I didn't really talk about it, but like Burke and Hare were definitely the murderers, but their wives were like involved in helping to like bring in victims and and being around in this process. So again, the Fab Four, mighty foursome of best friends forever, just living their best life in Edinburgh. Sounds wonderful. So the final victim was Margaret Docherty. I don't know how to say that, but that's how what I'm going to say. I have Doherty? to say it like seven how more times. Spelled? Well, it's C-H. So D-O-C-H-E-R-T-Y, oh. but it's Irish. Doherty? Doherty. 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 We're going to say Doherty because that's easy to say, and I have to say it a bunch more. Okay. So. Doherty. So Doherty was an Irish woman. She was lured to them to... Uh, to drink under the guise of shared relatives. We're also Irish. Oh, I believe my mother-in-law was a Doherty or whatever. So lured her into their lodging um, because everyone in Ireland knows each other and they were besties. (laughs) Uh, Other lodgers, so then they they did their thing. They gave her a bunch of alcohol. At one point, I think she actually tried to leave and then one of the wives kind of brought her back and then they got her drunk and then killed her. Uh, The next day, other lodgers who were staying in the house found the body and then immediately went to report it to the police. By the time the police came back, the body had then been transported. They got it out of there, took it on down to Knox. However, the police did find some blood-stained clothing under the bed, and there were some inconsistencies in Burke's and Hare's stories, so that was enough to raise suspicion. And then they actually were able to find the woman's body in Knox's stash of other, other cadavers, And therefore, Burke and Hare and their wives were arrested. Hmm. So in total, 16 people were murdered in order to sell their bodies to medicine. And this is where we're going to take our break. But before we go, I would like to share with you an Edinburgh street song 
that came out of these murders because everyone was talking about them and as such things happen you know like we have like street songs that are kind of morbid in their history like london bridges falling down this was an edinburgh kind of version of that so burks the butcher hairs the thief knocks the boy who buys the beef interesting so now we can go and make up a hopscotch Chant and and jump rope, and we can just walk up and down our street singing. Burks the butcher, hairs the thief, knocks the boy that buys the beef. Burks the butcher, hairs the thief, knocks the boy, knocks the boy who buys the beef. And that's where we're gonna take a break. I like it. I like it. That's pretty. That's pretty greedy. I have to say, you know, to kill people for money like that. That's pretty not okay. Whatever. Why you got to make fun of me? So if I take the 16 victims and I average out the 8 to 10 pounds in today's money, that whole endeavor of killing 16 people would have only brought in like thirteen to $14,000. That's not chump change, but it's still not. I mean, we're killing those people. people. Yeah. And like your soul is black as yeah. night at well, that yeah. point. Yeah, I mean, no and amount of money is worth killing people. It's not, and I guess I'm just saying it's not like they were millionaires. It's like, not like you they, know, yeah. it's not like they were rolling in it. Yeah, I agree. That's not. But oh, they yeah. they were also able to steal um, some of the clothing, some of the materials, yeah. like on the bodies. And I mean, they had enough. They were like buying themselves some nice things every now and then. So yeah, I don't know. Just uh, pretty dark. Yeah. Taking a break. Hey, little Shemmies. Thanks for tuning in. While we were on our break, I just wanted to let you guys know how you can get a hold of us if you wanted to send us an email with your spooky stories. I'm still waiting for you to tell me those so I could tell them to you. Our email is ffsthepodcast at gmail.com. We'd also love to hear from you on the various social media sites. We're FFS the podcast on Instagram and on Twitter and on Facebook. You can find us at EFFED Up Storytime. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in. We love you, Shemmies. And uh, back to the show. All right. Well, we're back from break. Heck yeah. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Are we ready to go? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm ready to get back into it. <laughs> okay. Well, we were talking about Burke and Hare and how they killed 16 people for money. And they're pretty horrible people. And they're pretty awful. So the Fab Four, Burke and Hare and their wives, were charged with murder. Knox claims that he thought Burke and Hare were just watching the lodging around, like the lodging houses around Edinburgh for deaths so that they could just jump in and claim them first and grab them up. Before they were buried. So kind of like what Hannah was saying, like, why didn't you just do that? Yeah. But I think other people probably were because that's what Knox thought they were doing. Yeah. So maybe there just weren't enough bodies to go around. So they had to create their own. Or maybe they really just wanted to kill people. Or, yeah. Maybe it was yeah. easier for them. I mean, it did kind of start out of hair being like, we have this person who died and didn't pay me rent. How am I going to get my rent money from him? And then... Second one was most likely the guy who had jaundice. Like, we can't have him here. There was actually a few different people that they killed who was kind of like, hey, they're ill or they're, it's going to be bad for business if people see this or whatever. So it kind of came out of this, like, well, we got to protect our, our lucrative business, our ongoing legitimate business yeah. of the lodging. 
by killing these people. So maybe it came out of that. Maybe they liked it. I don't really know. But regardless, Knox claimed that he thought they were just doing, you know, grabbing bodies um, that were... What a liar. This man said he liked how warm that one body was. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking creep. I don't know if he said it like that, but he was glad it was warm because it sure was fresh. (laughs) Yeah. So, but that's what he claimed. So he ended up not being charged with anything, although his reputation was definitely very tarnished in the end. But he was not charged. The Fab Four were charged. The police knew that they had these murderers, but they didn't really have super great, solid evidence. They had doctors who were able to examine that final victim, Doherty's body, and they said she was probably suffocated, but they couldn't medically confirm it. I imagine they didn't have the same sort of forensic science we do today. Yeah. The police also suspected that there were other victims other than this one. At this point in time, they didn't know it was going to end up being 16 total. They suspected there were other victims, but they didn't have any other bodies because they'd already been dissected and then disposed of. Um, a couple people in the, the public came forward with information about their loved ones that were able to implicate the Fab Four in two more murders. But even that was pretty circumstantial. Like one of them was like, he's wearing my cousin's pants or something. And then the other one was like identifying some clothes that they had. So it's clothing based. So somewhat okay. circumstantial, like maybe they have those clothes for a different reason yeah. and who knows. But at that point in time, they were able to have three murders that they were trying to tie to these four people. So the Lord Advocate, which I guess was like, I don't know, lead investigator or something. He did what investigators do when they don't really have any evidence and have nothing to go on. <laughs> and he offered one suspect. Arrested a person of color. Oh, I forgot. That's what they do. You're right. But in this case, he offered one of the suspects immunity from prosecution if he ratted out his friend, basically. So Hare was the first one to get this offer, and he took it up. He turned King's evidence, and he confessed everything. With Hare's testimony, they felt like they had enough to charge Burke and his wife with those three murders. And then Hare's wife was also then immune because Hare couldn't testify against her because she was his spouse. So it ended up being that they kind of got off. And then now Burke and McDougal was the last name of his wife, Helen McDougal. They were being charged for the murders. It's messed up. It is. Yeah, besties. Remember, they're best friends for life. <laughs> yeah. Also, it was with all the it was drama. Hare's house. It was Hare's house, yeah. That all of the crimes happened in. Yeah. And there was, like, if you go deeper, there's, like, other stories that I guess Burke, like, left the country. They started fighting towards the end, and, like, they moved out for a little bit and then moved back in. Burke, I guess, left the country to visit family. And when he came back, Hare was, like, wearing a new suit. And so he suspected he killed someone without him. So, like... Oh, snap. It's, it's just not true, really, that it was... Burke, like it's not fair that it was Burke who who got yeah who took it and then Hare got out of it. But that's what happens when you turn King's evidence or when you yeah. rat out your friends, you get off, the you get snitch. a plea de- deal or whatever, and then the other people are taken down. Yep. So the trial, Woo! yeah, the trial began on the morning of Christmas Eve. It continued in, and this is in nineteen twenty. It's just weird to me. I on the morning of Christmas Eve is when. This infamous trial starts. Even more interesting is that the morning of Christmas Eve, 1928, and then went without stopping all through the night into the next morning. So Christmas morning. No stops. They didn't even stop for dinner. I read one quote that was something about how, like, it wouldn't be valid if we stopped for dinner. And I was like, I don't understand why. But someone said that. Weird. (laughs) 
They ended up separating the three murder charges into separate charges because they decided that McDougal, the wife, could not be implicated in the other two that were like clothing based. And so therefore they were focusing on the Doherty case first, which was the one that included both of them. So that's what they started to try on Christmas Eve. Hare and his wife ended up being witnesses. And Hare said on the stand, he testified that Burke was the sole murderer of Doherty. Since that was the only case being tried at the time, even though cross-examination, he was asked a bunch of other questions about other murders, he didn't have to answer any of those. So he only had to answer about Doherty. And he said in that one, Hare said that Burke was the sole murderer. He claimed that his wife, like, helped bring back Doherty when she tried to leave. Okay. And that was the extent. They also had other witnesses that included one of Knox's assistants and the doctors who examined Doherty's body. Knox himself was on the witness list, but he did not get called. I guess there was one assistant who did most of the dealing with it. Like, Knox was the one in charge and could make the price, but I guess there was one assistant who was the one who most interacted. So I believe that that was the one who was called. There were three other assistants and Knox who were on the witness list. They just ended up not being called. I think I misunderstood something earlier. Whose assistant was it that asked who, where they got that one body from? And he was like, I bought it. It was one of Knox's assistants. Asked Knox where he got the body? Uh, I believe asked Burke. Okay. Or Hare. I don't know which one of them was there, but asked Burke or Hare where they got the body. So I I still, never mind. And they said, I bought it. So so (laughs) back to when we were talking about buying bodies, the doctors weren't buying the bodies. People were buying the bodies and selling them to the doctors. So the doctors were buying bodies. But I mean, like, the doctors weren't... Hold on. The (laughs) doctors weren't going out looking for bodies. They weren't digging anything up. They weren't going to lodging. It was people who were trying to find the bodies, bring them to the doctors, and then the doctors bought them at that point. I don't know if that makes anything more clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. I I had it right in my brain. But then when you were talking about Knox's assistant, I like had a moment where I was like, wait a second. Did I just hear that wrong the first time? I don't know. It's so fine. <laughs> it was one of his assistants who asked the question the first time. Yeah. And and not, it may have been the same or another. But asked it of either Burke or Hare, not of the doctor. Yes. Okay. Maybe the doctor cool. was there. I don't really know what. I don't really know how much Knox was around this. I think he was probably like, I want to have some plausible deniability here. So I'm just going to let you all manage this. And yeah. But he was setting the price for the bodies, I believe. Um, but it sounds like the assistants were the ones most like working directly to figure it out. So one of those assistants was called in the trial. Okay. So they went through the trial. Uh, the defense's final statements began at 3 a.m. on Christmas morning. Oh, God. And it was at 8.30 on Christmas morning that the jury went to deliberate. After 50 minutes, they had a verdict. So plenty of time to still have Christmas dinner. The verdict was a guilty verdict for Burke and a not proven verdict for McDougal. Not proven is basically, it's like not guilty, but it's basically saying like, we don't have enough to say that you didn't. It's not, it's not saying they're innocent. It's saying we don't have enough to, to convict you, but it's not, we don't necessarily think you're innocent. It's just not proven. So kind of like an, an Alfred plea. Kind of like an Alfred (laughs) plea, I would guess. The first thing I thought of was like what it should have been probably for Adnan Saeed in the beginning of oh, the whole yeah. thing. Like, we don't have enough to convict you, but we're not saying you're innocent yeah. in this whole thing. Which yeah. incidentally he's now released. Yeah. All right. Cool. 
So then... Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Burke was then sentenced to death. And the judge also had the following to say at his sentencing. Your body should be publicly dissected and anatomized. And I trust that if it is ever customary to preserve skeletons, yours will be preserved in order that posterity may keep in remembrance your atrocious crimes. Dang. Wow. So Was that true? To death and we'll talk about it. <laughs> and, um, and the judge said you should also be dissected. And that is just so fucked up. He's sentenced to death and the other and hair just walks away yep. essentially. Yep. I can't still like full immunity when you 16 people are dead. That's crazy. Yeah, and he confessed to the 16 murders. Yeah. In order to give information and implicate Burke. That's so crazy. Yeah. Agreed. So then Burke was hanged in January of 1829 in front of an estimated 25,000 people. I feel like, how do we know 25,000 people? We can't even estimate the number of people like at a Super Bowl parade or at an inauguration <laughs> in the 21st century. But yeah. they say 25,000 people, so a lot. We know, no matter how many people were there, that it was a lot. And the views were actually being sold for five to 20 shillings. So like places to watch the hanging from. Like good spots. Good spots. Like the, the tenements around the hanging like area. Like the spot that mom and... would have picked out an hour before the show started. <laughs> you know, like the good spot. When were those little like clickers invented? <laughs> Do you think they Not 1828. Like I don't know. I like to imagine just like some <laughs> guy. Like, How many are you? <laughs> yeah, there's no 25,000. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it circled over and went over 100 again. 100 Keep tracking this. Give me another clicker. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely happening. That's how they know 25,000 people were there. A lot of people were there and people were watching. It was a big deal. They were all excited about it. So he, Burke indeed was dissected oh, after his oh, death. Oh, snap. He was dissected at the college. They actually issued tickets to the dissection. Really? At, but a minor riot broke out because additional students who couldn't get tickets <laughs> still wanted to get in as well. And so just the, for like medical students, right? Just tickets for medical students. I believe students. they said students and it was at the college. So I'm assuming it couldn't have been public, but okay. I don't know. That's Maybe it was. horrifying yeah, if a dissection was like public I mean, viewing. I mean, they publicly hanged him in the middle of That's the also square. horrifying, but like... Yeah, the dissection is The worse. world has a long history of public execution, so like not as surprising, but... I don't think it was public. Okay. <laughs> but if you remember, the original dissections were getting like 400 people to watch. Like Knox said that he would have like 400 students watching his dissections. Yeah, but that's just like a lecture hall. <laughs> so yeah, a big lecture hall. So I'm guessing it was probably something similar. Okay. And you know, he said he was doing two dissections a day. So lots of people, but there was probably more than could fit in to one lecture hall at one time. And But anyway, they started a riot because they wanted to get in and see this God. dissection. Jeez. Um, it was a minor riot. The, the doctor who was performing the dissection said that they would rotate people in in groups of 50 so they could like walk in and like see the body. Oh my God. Um, so people the point is so a lot gruesome. of people really wanted to see this dead body. Probably students, probably anatomy students, but like but he's so. all, there's also <laughs> famous. He's now yeah, infamous. There's definitely you know? that in it because like another person's going to be dissected tomorrow and they're going to have to go to that lecture. So like why do they care about this one? So the anatomist, when he was dissecting Burke, he did this creepy thing. He used a quill and he dipped it into Burke's blood and he wrote, this is written with the blood of William Burke, who was hanged at Edinburgh. This blood was taken from his head. Ah. Scotland. What the fuck, ah. dude? Right? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> we, we go hard on Earth. Yeah. <laughs> 
So now that brings us to the end of our movie. However, we have to have our where are they now sequence of screens at the end of the film. Oh, okay. Where it tells you what happened to everyone else. All right. So after the trial, the public was pretty pissy. In my movie, that's what it would say. The public was pretty pissy. <laughs> okay. Um, so the two wives were both attacked by different mobs in public and they had to actually seek protection from the police because no. the public was so mad. Well, they didn't get any punishment, right? They didn't get any punishment. Yeah. No. Um, because one was granted immunity alongside Burke because he couldn't testify against her mm-hmm. and the How? other was not proven verdict. How much of an involvement did the wives really have? Because it sounded like it was just kind of in that last one where they brought her back. I think that the thought is that they were definitely aware of and involved in like bringing people in, possibly luring them in. But I don't believe they were directly involved in the murders. Even in the last one, um, I think it was last one or maybe in one of the earlier ones, uh, they like the Burke and Hare. Oh, yeah. It was one of the ones where like Burke was bringing in the women and he was like drinking with the women and then his wife showed up and was like you're having an affair with me with these women and one of them ran off and the other one had passed out at that point in time burke called in hair and then like they both locked their wives out of the room and then they killed him Uh so because it was specified in that way for that particular murder i'm guessing that they never actually had anything to do with the murders but maybe but they had to have been aware of it. Yeah. And degree. maybe getting rid of evidence and maybe okay. luring people in. They certainly, they were all besties and they all drank and hung out. So I feel like they certainly knew. Yeah. Okay. But they were, were off. As for Hare, the family of one of the, the victims petitioned to have his immunity revoked. Basically what Hannah was saying. Like he confessed to 16 murders, but it was reviewed and that didn't happen. Lame. So therefore, um, Hare actually remained in custody at his own choice for his own protection uh, until a couple months after the trial. And then he was released. He was very quickly mobbed in public when people realized it was him. So then he was escorted out of town by the police. And um, nothing really is known about what happened to him. Nothing is known about what happened to his wife, who had already left town before he did, because she had gotten mobbed in public as well and then left town, or Burke's wife, who had also already gotten mobbed and left town. Um, They know that Hare's wife returned to Ireland. She was also an Irish immigrant. I may not have mentioned that, but she returned to Ireland. But no one really knows what happened to Hare or his wife or Burke. Wow. They were able to just leave Edinburgh and continue with their lives. I hope that Hare died somewhere on like the side of a road as he was leaving town. And then someone was like, ooh, free body. Yeah, I hope so too. (laughs) They just sold it to like the next town (laughs) That'd be great. And like no one ever even knew (laughs) who who it was and that it was him. He was just dissected and then disposed of. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be pretty amazing. Knox resigned his position at the college there was an inquiry, but it was found that there was no evidence that he knew about the murders. So he was able to continue living. However, most of the public saw him as being culpable. And his peers then rejected him and the public ridiculed him, which led him to his resigning from his post at the college. He ended up leaving Scotland and he had a career in England. Like he was a speaker, but then he, um, the Scotland College ended up like completely removing him from whatever connection he had there. And so he was able to then just have a private practice in England and lived his life. So not great, but like a mediocre career after leaving and he wasn't dead. So the term burking became popular, which means to smother someone in order to commit an anatomy murder. 
Oh, wow. So if you want to go burk someone. So there was actually a group of copycats in London that called themselves the London Burkers that were imitating the crimes. Um, However, they were convicted and hanged in 1831, or he was maybe, I don't know, someone was convicted and hanged in 1831. And then in 1832, the Anatomy Act was passed. And this act authorized dissection on bodies from workhouses if they were unclaimed within 48 hours. So instead of it having to only be prison suicide victims and orphans, it could be people who were working in the workhouses if they were unclaimed. Okay. Which I imagine that's a lot of people. I think it was. So (laughs) it really helped solve some of the problems with the shortage of cadavers. Interestingly, this act also ended the practice of anatomizing as a part of the death sentence for murder. So what they did to Burke of like saying, and you will also be dissected, they could no longer do anymore. Mm -hmm. It couldn't be a part of your death sentence. Okay, I see, I see, I see. Um, But they ended up having enough bodies at that point in time. And so... The Hare and Burke murders were very popular in, like, Scottish, what's the word, culture, I guess. Yeah. Uh, And known among kids. There are multiple rhymes, like the one I mentioned before our break, of, like, the kids would, like, sing in the streets. Um, And a lot of people really, uh, like, people wrote books about them even in later years. So it's definitely more, like, I I would wonder if someone grew up in Edinburgh if they would know about the, the Burke and Hare murders because yeah. um, it's more a part of their culture. So I will leave us with one final chant that children would sing in play. Uh, and this one, clearly, by the way it is written, is supposed to be read in a Scottish accent, and I'm not going to do, do that. It. But if Hannah wants to do, do it, it when I'm done, I don't know how to do it. It would be real bad. I should have practiced it. So I'm just going to read the words as if it is not written clearly in a Scottish accent. <laughs> Maybe then I'll try it later. But... Burke and Hare fell down the stair with the body in a box, going to Dr. Knox. Sounds a little boring, but you can imagine children saying, Burke and Hare fell down the stair with the body in a box, going to Dr. Knox. Yeah. I just think it like doesn't even have the same rhythmic quality, though. Well, like, I, okay, <laughs> so I probably, it might, it might if Burke I said it in bear. Scottish. Burke and Hare, f- Burke. And hair fell down down the stair <laughs> with a body in a box I, gone to Dr. Knox. Okay. Gone, gone, gone. <laughs> I don't know how to do Scottish accent, <laughs> obviously. I feel like they didn't. Isn't that like yeah. don't know? I didn't. Well, I said don't know. So clearly I don't know how to do a know. Scottish accent. Yeah, All I know is that is. Scottish Twitter is wild. Oh, yeah? It's fucking a hoot and holler. Well, moral of this story, check out Scottish Twitter. Check out Twitter. Scottish Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> you throw in a little Burke and Hare joke, you might you might get in with some of those Scottish people. Well, that was a good story, Kelly. Yeah. I liked it. Very good. So, anybody have anything to ask or add about the story? No, I feel like I talked a lot through that, so. I feel like you did not. <sighs> I mean, nothing compared to you last episode, but... <laughs> I knew that was coming. Well, I mean, I don't know if there's much discussion about it. It's an interesting, definitely interesting, gruesome, I do, sad story. 
I mean, I'm just so caught up on the uh, immunity, full immunity. I like, know. Do we even offer full immunity in America anymore? I don't think so. Or anything? I think it's I don't like th- yeah. plea deals that, you know, death penalties off the table. And, yeah. and you still have to go through a sentencing, I think, too. Yeah. Right? Like, you still have to plea. They don't drop charges. No. And it sounds like they just dropped charges and didn't I mean, they don't in murder all. anyway. They may in something smaller. Like, yeah, they may. You know, if you are somehow inadvertently an accomplice of a murder or something like that because you know somebody and they put you in a situation and you give them up, they but, may yeah, but for that, they may not charge you, but yeah. they'll probably still charge you with if, something else. If my binge watching of Law and Order SVU has taught me anything, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. so you can get like. Because, like, there was diplomatic immunity that someone had in an episode I was watching, and it was, like, diplomatic immunity for a rape, but then they died, and it was like, well, you don't have that immunity anymore because it's fucking murder. You shouldn't have immunity for murder. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would completely agree. Like, if it was, like, one of the wives or something. Yeah. Like, you'll be, you'll not be If she, like, agreed to testify against him. Because that I can understand, too, because it's like, I'm scared for myself, but the reality is what you did was much less like b- you big of a deal actively kill than this person so if you're scared for yourself we'll get you off yeah so we can get the real issue but this would just felt like i want to get one of them one's yeah. better than none it yeah. didn't feel like we need the person who actually committed it to be convicted so we will help lesser crimes get off it yeah. wasn't to real get justice. the big one it wasn't just no is it ever i mean never no, really. no it really isn't but it is pretty gross that he we was able to just We love the justice system in this podcast. <laughs> I thought it was actually funny. I don't remember who the person was, but when Hare left, someone who, I don't know, someone recognized him and he was someone in an official capacity. I can't remember who it was. But so then he just like let everyone else around know that Hare was standing in their midst <laughs> to be like, hey, you got a murder. So then everyone got all mad. And I just think that's really funny to just yeah. be like, yeah. I mean, everyone was really, really furious about it as they should be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good story. Do you think it's time to move on to things? Yeah. Things that don't suck. Things that don't suck. Yeah. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Who wants to go first? My thing that doesn't suck is that I finally filled out my Medicaid application (laughs) in the middle of this (laughs) podcast. I feel so sad that I couldn't even keep you engaged. I was engaged. Yeah, you were pretty engaged, actually. Fine. Uh, I could go next. My thing that does is like is my little drawing app on my on my iPad. Okay. I was scribbling in <laughs> to She's watch your back. Threatening <laughs> like me right as now if with it her was like iPad. scratched into <laughs> My God. Yeah, it says banan watch your I'm assuming oh, it's gonna say I don't watch. It's not gonna say anything. It's the most obvious thing about it. <laughs> watch my what I'm <laughs> supposed to watch. <laughs> That's pretty evil, Belle. Happy Halloween. <laughs> it's Halloween time. Um, it's the middle of November by now. Probably. It might by be. By the time this is posted. That's true. Still a happy Halloween. <laughs> All year round. No, but in, yeah. Maybe I should predict what my happy thought will be by the time this episode is aired. And that- the Chiefs are winning their <laughs> division know. by a lot. That's my thing is my current happy thought is that the Mariners are in the playoffs, but if I put it out there, then by the time this episode oh, yeah. comes out, they'll be not they in, the playoffs, be in the playoffs anymore. Yeah. So I can't make it my happy thought. Well, my thing that doesn't suck is just that it is fall time and I'm really enjoying that and the trees and the leaves look really pretty and I'm enjoying that and our neighborhood 
is finally starting to get some bigger trees. And so like the drive down <clears throat> the main road out here is just, it's really pretty. It's starting to get a little bit of that tr tree tunnel effect. And it's not big enough a yet. A trunnel, if you will. A trunnel. But it's not quite a trunnel. It still has some growth, but you're starting to see that potential for a trunnel. It's trunnet. a trunnette. <laughs> so that's my that's my thing that doesn't suck my thing that doesn't suck is that i went to trader joe's on a fall day to get all the fall things and it was really busy and it really made me really anxious but i came out with a bunch of cute fall things like snacks and foods and my thing that doesn't suck is the trader joe's apple spice hand soap okay <laughs> okay I'm smelling something apple spicy in here now. Do you have something? I have that cinnamon thing up ah, there. Yeah. So that is what made me finally, what made me think of it. And if, if, you, if you can go buy some, it smells good. That's all. Mm, yummy. Yum. I can change. I have another thing that doesn't suck because I went to the flea market and that was fun. And George would have bought me everything that was there if I would have asked for it. Probably. Aww. But he bought me a little pendant and it's cute. I'll have to show it to you later. It's like a yin and yang, but it's cat face. Oh, that's cute. Can oh, I change my thing that doesn't suck? Sure. While it, all, while it does not suck that I finally filled out my Medicaid application, I felt like all of that was so slurred. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Um, my thing that doesn't suck is actually that James's sister was in town, and I got to see her and hang out with her. That's cool. That's fun. Where, yeah. did, where do they live now? Arizona. Yeah, not too far away, but far no, enough I mean, we that, drove you know, there in a day, but... Yeah. Can I also change my thing that doesn't sure. suck? Sure. <laughs> Cuz my thing that doesn't suck is that this is the only thing that I've had to do this whole weekend and compared to every other weekend that I've had for the last what feels like 6 months. <laughs> it's nice to have I didn't do anything yesterday. It was nice. Yay. Very nice. That is nice. I am not changing my thing that doesn't suck. It's still Trader Joe's apple spice yeah. and soap. Good. Good. I like that. Stand firm in your convictions. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, then I guess that means it's time for us to say goodbye. Goodbye, Shemmies. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> you should have used we that on you. an actual Halloween episode. Bye. Please Bye. share us with your friends Whoa. and rate us on the pods. I'm desperate. I don't even care. All right, bye.